Okay, good evening. As you can see, this will be uh, probably a shorter lesson tonight, but a very much needed lesson. We're going to be talking about a verse that's often taken out of context. And when you look at it out of context, kind of you would believe what the uh, false doctrine uh, is that is taught from this uh, verse. And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 51, verse 5. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Psalm 51, for verse 5, we're going to be talking about that very verse and the false doctrine that is associated with that verse. Um, and you may have already known what false doctrine comes from this verse, but if not, this will be uh, an eye-opening lesson for you. As we start, though, we have to all answer this question. Do you believe that the Bible is complete and without flaws? All right, if you all answered yes to that, and I hope you did, because um, that's kind of a, a basic belief of a Christian, then you'll have to understand that the Bible cannot contradict itself. We would all agree with that statement as well. The Bible can't contradict itself. If it contradicts itself, it's not perfect. And if it's not perfect, God is not real, and I am no longer going to be a Christian. Okay? And so we understand the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Now, look at Psalm 51, verse 5. I have it in the ESV, which is a lot like um, what the New King James and New American Standard will say. But then you have the NIV. Um, which translates it this way. Both have a, a similar idea, but notice what it said. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Okay, the NIV translates it this way. Surely I was sinful at birth, and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, you're probably all guessing what false doctrine comes from this. You are born sinful. Okay, you are born in total depravity, uh, some people will say, some religious groups will call that. Um, if you've ever wondered why some religious groups baptize infants, this verse is the entire reason they do that, because they believe that you are born a sinner, you are born full of sin, All right? That's what sinful means, full of sin, and because of that, we need to make sure you are baptized to have those sins washed away, okay? Is that what this verse is really talking about? Um, if it is, we have an issue. It would contradict other places of Scripture, okay? And we're going to talk about those in just a second. Please, please, please. A majority of Christendom believes this false doctrine. So this is one that you should probably have these next few verses. There's a lot of other verses I could bring up, but these are your surefire verses to go against their doctrine of total depravity, uh, which is along with uh, Calvinism and other different religious bodies. Okay, so here's what R.C. Sproul has to say concerning this. He is a, uh, a Reformed theologian. He looks at re uh, like Reformationist type things. Uh, he believes in total depravity. He says virtually every church historically that has a creed or a confession has agreed that something very serious happened to the human race as a result of the first sin. That first sin resulted in original sin. That is, as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve, the entire human race fell. 
And our nature as human beings since the fall has been influenced by the power of evil. As David declared in the Old Testament, O God, I was born in sin, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You can kind of already see some flaws with uh, even how he uses uh, that translation. He was not saying that it was sinful for his mother to have born children, nor was he saying that he had done something evil by being born. Rather, he was acknowledging the human condition of fallenness, that condition that was part of the experience of his parents. That's very key for us understanding. That condition that was part of his experience uh, uh, experience of his parents, a condition that he himself brought into this world. Therefore, original sin has to do with the fallen nature of mankind. This is his kind of summation statement. The idea is that we are not sinners because we sin. That's weird. But that we sin because we are sinners. Okay, I hope everybody understands what R.C. Sproul, a very uh, popular, very much uh, well-known theologian, says the idea is not that we are sinners because we sin, but we, are, we sin because we are sinners. So, does this explanation of Psalm 51.5 contradict other parts of Scripture? That's my question to you. Do you already have verses in your mind where this would contradict itself? Okay, yes, I do. Um, hope you do too, and you're about to know some very, very good Scriptures to help you in understanding what is David really talking about in Psalm, verse, Psalm 51, verse 5. So, how do I become a sinner? That's the real question. Because he says you're born a sinner, and because you're born a sinner, you sin. It's not that you sinned and became a sinner. Okay? So, let's see. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Okay? Now, you have in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. This is one of your home run verses to use. Behold, all souls are mine. The souls of the Father as well as the soul of the sons is mine. Watch this phrase. The soul who sins shall die. Remember what R.C. Sproul said in his explanation of total depravity. You're already born in sin. You're already born sinful, right? So you're already dead. But as Ezekiel is pointing out to us, it's the soul who sins dies. John will call it making a practice of sinning. As a young child, as a baby just being born, I don't think you're making a practice of sinning, right? Uh, you may be screaming too loud for mom and dad, but you're not making a practice of sinning. Now, Ezekiel 18.20 is also very important. So right there, if you can just remember Ezekiel 18, verse 4 and verse 20. You can read through that whole chapter if you want. Those will be very helpful verses, right? In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, Ezekiel states, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity or the sins of the father. The son shall not suffer because of the sins of the father. Do I inherit the sins of my parents? Ezekiel tells me plainly, no. Okay? Nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. So, parents, I'm not responsible for the sins of my children. 
The righteousness of the righteous now shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Right? So a sinner becomes a sinner by sinning. I hope that, and I, you may be thinking to yourself, this seems obviously very easy to understand. It is. I'm not trying to uh, come up with anything new. There's just some few verses. Now, Ezekiel will tell you that you're not uh, responsible for your parents' sin. Therefore, I don't become a sinner. Now, all of our dad and mom is Adam and Eve. Am I responsible for their sins? No, right? And because they sinned in the garden, right, doesn't mean I'm born a sinner, right? And that's what Ezekiel is explaining by way of telling us that the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer the sins of the father. And if Ezekiel is saying that, and a doctrine is made at a Psalm 51, 5 that says you're born a sinner, okay, there is a contradiction there. So whenever you find yourself in contradiction, this is kind of a Bible study tool for you. If you were to go through a passage, and at the end of that passage, you find this teaching, right? You come up with this teaching. The best way you can tell if that teaching is correct is put it against Scripture, okay? So if I'm studying Psalm 51.5, I just picked that verse out of nowhere, and I'm reading it, and I said, oh, it seems like what David's saying here is that you're born a sinner. Okay, well, then what I have to do as a Bible student is say, how does this jive with the rest of Scripture? What does Ezekiel tell us? That's not right, because you don't inherit sin from your parents. You can't be born a sinner. Rather, a sinner is someone who practices sin, right? Um, how do you become a football player? How do you become a baseball player? By playing both of those sports, right? By playing football and by playing baseball. I can't be a football player if I never play football, right? Uh, I can't be a baseball player if I've never played baseball. I can't be a sinner if I've never sinned. Does that make sense? I can't be born a sinner because I have never sinned. Also, I can't inherit sin because sin is something I do to become a sinner. Again, I hope this is uh, very easy to understand. I try to put it as easy to understand as possible because once you dive off into studying d total depravity and all of these different things, they will use massive word games and all of a sudden you will make a big spin around and you'll be like, I'm so confused it must be right. No, you're not. And so please understand how easy this is. To be a sinner, I have to sin. I can't inherit sin because Ezekiel tells us that. Now, does the Bible contradict itself, right? Because it seems like David is really saying that you're born a sinner, and it seems like Ezekiel is clearly stating that you don't inherit sin from your parents, okay? Well, let's just look at that. Let's look at Psalm 51, uh, verses 1 through 5 in context. Have mercy on me, O God. Now, uh, some of your titles, uh, you have those little headings at the top that translators put in there for you. Sometimes they will let you know that this is a, a psalm of David uh, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So David's committed this sin with Bathsheba, and Nathan the prophet comes over and says, Hey, you are the man. 
You know, he goes through this whole parable about this man who has his prized sheep, and that's all he has, and all of a sudden, blah, blah, blah. And Nathan and David so fired up about this guy who would just take this lamb from this guy and all these different things. He goes, you are that guy. And so now David has realized, oh, I am a terrible person. I have sinned against God. And so he cries out to God, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So what is he doing here? What is David trying to tell us here? Now, I've talked about this before, but it's this use of hyperbole. In Jewish um, poetry, there is uh, this poetic license to use exaggerated language. Okay, And so we have here where David is trying to use He's not trying, he is, using exaggerated language to just talk about how bad of a person he is, right? So what he's doing is he's exaggerating just how awful of a person he is. After Nathan has come to him and said, look, you committed this sin with Bathsheba and all of these different things, he's like, well, I'm just so bad I must have been born in sin. I'm just that terrible of a person. I was a sinner all the way from when I was a young person. I'm just a low-down, terrible person. Forrest Animaceris, who's a a young scholar in the Lord's Church, um, says this. He says, his point is not to affirm that babies are born sinful, but rather to magnify the depth of his personal iniquity. And what better way to do that than to say, I must have been born a sinner. It's like... When you think about Job in his wisdom literature account, right, when he talks about why have I even been born, right, he's using exaggerated language just to talk about how awful his life is, right? Everything had been taken from him. God, just take me now. I don't really want to be here. I, I should have never have been born, right? And David is using those same type of words. And so when you look at Psalm 51, verse 5, in its entirety, in its context, and you can go down, and David's going to talk about uh, cleanse my heart, right? He's going to make a plea to God where he wants to have his heart cleansed. That's where we get a couple of our songs today. And so this is really exaggerated language by David to talk about how awful he feels about the sin he has in his life. It is not to point to this entire doctrine about being born sinful people. We're not born sinful people. We become sinful people once we fill ourselves with sin. When we commit sins, we make a practice of sinning in our life. I hope that's been uh, something helpful for you to understand. There's tons of other verses you could go to. I promise you a lot of people will go to when Jesus pulled children to him and said, uh, these children are like those in the kingdom of heaven. Well, if if he's pulling children to him that are full of sin, what in the world, right? Um, So lots of other places you could go, but please just remember always Ezekiel 18 uh, is a great uh, area to go to in Scripture to talk about this idea of uh, we're not born into sin. We're not born into sin. as sinners. 
So I hope that's been beneficial for you. It's been, it was beneficial for me always to study stuff like this. I love looking at in-context lessons. Uh, if you're here this evening, we want to make the invitation available to you. Uh, whether you're caught up in sin in your life and would love to have prayers and come to God and recommit yourself to the Lord's church, we would love to pray for you tonight. Or maybe you're here and you're curious, you want to learn more. I'd love to talk to you outside in the foyer after services and we can discuss having a Bible study together. Or maybe you're ready to have your sins washed away in baptism. We have a baptistry right behind us uh, and we would love to help you uh, become a part of God's kingdom by doing that. If you have a need this evening, please come while we stand and sing the song of invitation.